This is Five Point Play, the Duke Basketball Podcast by Duke Basketball Diehards for Duke Basketball Diehards. You know, it's actually kind of funny. Um, at the start of the podcast last week, to kick off our inaugural podcast, I asked a series of questions, one of which at this point seems to be outdated. It was, do you have a shit-eating grin every time you see a Christian shot go through the net against Kentucky? And I thought to myself, before doing this podcast, boy, that is outdated. AC, do you have a shit-eating grin every time you see Zion snatch that ball from midair, <laughs> drive the length of the court, dish that beauty to RJ for the end one. Do you get a shit in your brain every time you've seen that this week? Man, I don't I don't think I've stopped smiling since like twelve thirty on, on Monday night. That was I actually right now as we're recording the uh the podcast, I actually have the game the replay of the game on the T V right now and I'm just I just I can't stop looking at it, man. It's 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 one of the more incredible things I've seen in in basketball and college basketball in a long time, dude. <laughs> it, it's it's hilarious. It, there was I, I've never gotten that many text messages for an opening night game oh, that yeah. I did for that for the for that particular game. And and obviously, um, you know what is going to be our our first topic of the five point play this week. It's going to be the UK wrap up. It was oh one of the most. <laughs> it was one of the most unbelievable things. You know, we both picked Duke to win. We were a mm-hmm. hair off on our predictive score. <laughs> Just a little bit. Um, we were <laughs> our our scores for uh, the freshmen actually were closer uh, than <laughs> they were for the actual game. You know, I think yeah. that our freshmen com- our, our freshmen combined for eighty nine points, uh, and UK had what was it 84 so i would say we yep. got off to a, a a lucky start but we will gladly take uh <laughs> the, the wrong prediction on that one. Oh my god man it was it, it, i don't know if the win was more satisfying or or hearing the big blue nation com- collectively just shut up I, I don't know which one was the most satisfying thing yeah, I don't know. I, you know, it's funny. We had a, a number of people that were at the game. Uh, but I think before the game, they said it was about 90 to 10 UK fans. Oh, and then yeah, at, the under, at, the, at the under 12 timeout, they were all gone. And that, <laughs> that, was, that was so satisfying to me. <laughs> and when I, was, yeah. when I was there in 2015, you know, at the Final Four, and we didn't play mm-hmm. Kentucky, but after that game um, that they lost to Wisconsin, and we had played in the first game, you know, we're going out to the bars afterwards uh, after watching Wisconsin win, and just to see the dejected UK fans, I'm sure they weren't as dejected as that night in Indianapolis, but they had to be a close second. It's got to be close, and to lose like that, it's one thing to say, okay, we made it to a Final Four. You at least get to put that in the history books. But to have in the history books that you lost by thirty-four, it's that's that's un, unfathomable. Especially because they were the they were the overdog. I mean, they were they were the one and a half point favorite. So, in your opinion, just watching that game, uh, what, what stood out to you the most? The athleticism that this team has. It's 
I was I was watching it, and I don't I don't know if we got a true measure of this team's basketball skill yet. There were definitely some skilled plays. We have some skilled players. Uh, we have we have some work to do. It's funny to say we have some work to do on offense when at one point we were uh, on a tempo stat base of for pace. I think we're for a forty-eight minute game. I think we were on pace for like one forty or one forty-five at one point in this game. Which so so to say that we have some things to work on on offense is funny, but there there are some things that we can work on on offense that I think. In, in terms of ball movement, in terms of seeing the pick and roll a little better, in terms of seeing the baseline a little better, in terms of seeing shooters a little better, that'll come with time. That'll just come with playing together in game action. Um, defensively, we've made some really awesome athletic plays on defense, but we still we're out of position a lot, and the communication seemed like it was good because we, we were we were able to 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 be in position for a cer- certain plays that Kentucky was trying to run, especially their picks. But we were definitely out of position at times for the drive, and that that's something that's going to have to the help defense is going to have to ratchet up as we move forward in the season. Yeah, you know, I, I like the the defensive adjustments that that we made throughout the game. You know. Um, mm-hmm. One was obviously, you know, Ray Travis tried to uh, started to get into a little bit of a rhythm there, mm-hmm. and Coach Pay immediately goes to just every time he touches it, just double it. And yep. you know, I, I believe he had what was it twenty two or twenty three points, yeah. but the majority of them were insignificant. Right. And so I went to you know, hey, let, let somebody else score. Let's just quickly double them. And when we did that, he was a completely complete non-factor. So I right. do like the ability for this team to learn quickly that when an adjustment is made on the sidelines, we can go in and we can implement mm-hmm. it. Now, the negatives, if there are negatives, you know, you have to take, uh, take it all with the great result. We played yep. fantastic. Uh, but you know, it is still the first game of the year. So the things that, you know, I take away from it, uh, from what can we improve on, uh, first of all, and this is just me being a nitpicker, um, free throws. Uh, you know, and especially especially RJ. RJ's going to live at the line. And mm-hmm. so especially, you know, some of these one and ones, I'd like to see him, you know, at that seventy two to seventy five percent range. Uh, you know, it's funny to say a guy that has thirty three points in his college debut, um, he should have had forty. Yeah, <laughs> that, that sounds good this time. And and he played about thirty one minutes uh, uh, on Tuesday night. So yeah, that just well, he took uh, he took twenty six shots. He yeah, he, he right. took twenty six shots, made thirteen. Uh, so the field goal percentage is there. Right, right. Yeah, I mean he was fifty percent field goal percentage, but a, a game that's more competitive that's going to go down. So we definitely want to see him be a little more, uh, a little more efficient on the shots that he takes. It was kind of the same story in Canada. He he took a lot of shots, scored a lot of points, but his efficiency can go way up. Like his the potential is there for him to be a really efficient player because the shots he gets are fairly easy shots for him. Yeah, there, there's no question. And speaking speaking of efficiency, uh, Zion Williamson did it again. Uh, 11 of 13 mm-hmm. for 28 points. That guy was the uh, epitome 
of efficiency. Yeah. By saying that uh, three times fast, epitome <laughs> of efficiency, that's what he was in that game. That's what we saw in the exhibition games, and that's what we saw in Canada. It is scary how good he is, and I did see, and we're going to get into this in our next segment, but we did see a number of, uh, and I know we have some fans out there that are, aren't, aren't happy when we talk about NBA draft prospects, but he is now on some of those mock drafts the number one player over RJ. Mm-hmm. As, as he should be. Uh, his his size alone it, it creates so much potential there because he's he's a he is a as the world knows now he is a really good basketball player he's not a dunk machine he's not an instagram highlight package only he's he is a good basketball player he is he gets efficient shots he knows the shot his iq is super high he knows the shots he's getting and they're not by accident it's not just because he's big and strong he knows the shots that he's getting and he knows how to take the shots that he's getting. The, the one that really stood out to me was his the in and out dribble into the the elbow jumper that he took off the mid range. That was a that's yeah. just a, a classic professional move that he set that up with drive after drive early in the game, and then came back with that shot. It's if he can if he can mix his offense up on all the levels like that, the highest levels all the way down to the low level in the rim. It, it there's nothing you can do with a kid who's Six six eight six seven two eighty five. There's there's nothing you can do with somebody who's like that. Yeah, when he gets a half step on you, even a quarter step on you, it's mm-hmm. over because he knows he can elevate and finish um, at the rim with with ease. There's yeah. nobody that can uh, can get up with him no matter what the size of the opponent is. So. Um, for him, if he continues just to play the way he is, there, there, there's nothing stopping him from being the number one pick. Uh, we'd be remiss in this UK wrap-up section if we didn't say the, uh, for me, you know, Orange was fantastic, Cam was fantastic, Trey was fantastic. We haven't even mentioned them yet. Zion yep. uh, was obviously the man. For me, the guy, the player of the game was Jack White. He did everything. How many texts that mm-hmm. I send that say Jack motherfucking White. <laughs> that guy yep. was unbelievable. There was this, I think I think the majority of our texts had had the name Jack White listed in there somewhere. Because either Jack White or Trey Jones. We we talked about those two so much and it was it was evident because with that without him, I we would have won the game without Jack. That's that's the way we played, we would have we more than likely would have won that game without Jack. But he made so many plays that set things up for us that killed their momentum. He was, he was a momentum killer. Yeah. And I think he's going to give us that all season is just the ability. Cause this team has the ability to just beat teams. But then when you can take a team's momentum away from them, that's it's absolutely game over. Yeah. He, he absolutely yeah. took their soul. And um, that's what you mm-hmm. want from a junior captain that has a complete understanding of what his actual role is. And buys into it. And and that's really what mm-hmm. we want to see. And hopefully, um, and I know we'll talk about this toward the end when we're making our predictions, but hopefully Javin um, can, can be that guy as well with Jack. He, 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 yep. he kind of struggled, uh, you know, I don't know if it was first game jitters or, you know, just not being 100% sure of himself coming off the injury. But I'd like to see him get 
uh, a little bit more comfortable out there and doing the exact same things that Jeff did. Yeah, that – see, I want to see him get into the game flow a little better and, and the fouls. Every, everybody's got to stop fouling. We fouled a lot. Yeah. Pace – our pace is going to be high, so we're going to have some fouls. That that needs to be cleaned up for sure. Is just some of them were some of them were just game fouls that just happened in the course of a game. But I would I would say if somebody had four fouls, then at least two of their fouls were stupid, reaching, gambling type fouls, which you don't want to see that. Yeah, uh, speaking yeah. of uh, being high, um, high, there were a lot there were a lot of high praise for Duke, and what comes yeah. with that high praise? Hot take. There are a lot of hot takes, and that's actually our second segment uh, for the Five Point Play podcast. Hot takes. What were the What was the biggest? What, I'm gonna ask you this question. Give me the two biggest hot takes you heard this week after that game. <laughs> Welcome to Hot Take City. So the first one was <laughs> that Duke is gonna go undefeated. That's that's pretty much been the rhetoric. Stephen A. Smith, in all, in all of his glory, with his my God. Duke is going to go undefeated, my brother. That so that is I heard that all week long, and I was tired of hearing it after the first time because I don't want that jinx. Uh, the second one was Zion versus LeBron, so we're, we're going to touch on some of those. What about you? What'd you get? Yeah, so those were two fantastic ones. The two for me were uh, that Duke could beat the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, and NBA <laughs> team. Uh, that that is as hot tip as it gets. Uh, and then my favorite of the week actually was Jay- your boy Jalen Rose uh, coming mm-hmm. in with the hot tape that Zion Williamson would start for the bad five. Um, I'm going to save that one for the end. Which, one right. you go- which of your two hot tape cities are you going for? Uh, going so let me them? start. I'll start with the undefeated one. That one's that one's the easiest one to kind of get into. Uh, we're, we're not going to go undefeated. And, and the only reason I say that is not because I don't think we're good enough to do it. It's just who's done it who's done it? it no one's done it since basketball was basically two juggernaut teams and the rest of the world trying to catch up it, you, you don't go undefeated in this day and age in basketball you just don't you don't play for it you don't prepare for it the kids don't have the stamina for it in general it's just not one of those things that just happens on a whim so this team has the talent to do it but the rest of college basketball is so talented. The ACC is so stacked this year. I think that's an underrated aspect. Duke is going to overshadow a lot of teams because of how they're going to play. The ACC is so stacked. We probably won't lose a game before January, but come ACC season, I would not be at all surprised to see a small stretch where, more much like 15, where we lose a couple of, a couple of games, especially on the road, uh, because of poor shooting or foul trouble or something else. That's not... That's not unfathomable at all. So we're going to lose some games. It's just the bottom line. As long as we learn from them, I'm good with it. Yeah, we'll talk yeah. about the Mali. We'll talk about the Mali coming up. But you know, there are mm-hmm. some really good teams, including Gonzaga, in that tournament. That you mm-hmm. know, I hope we don't lose, but that that's a possibility. Um, right. I will say that. So the first uh, high camp city that I had was the Cleveland Cavaliers. We, we hear this every couple of <laughs> years. Um, they even talked about, you know, Alabama beating like the Buffalo Bills uh, mm-hmm. this season. First of all, it's apples and oranges between college football and college basketball with these pro comparisons, but it's yep. still ludicrous. You're not beating oh, yeah. an NBA team. Uh, 
in in a forty eight minute game an extended three point line, um just pure pure physicality. Um mm-hmm. the players are just straight up better. Uh, right. Could RJ go out there and start for the Cleveland Cavaliers today? Probably. Could Zion? Probably. But it, it, it probably ends there. Whereas yeah. every single player on the Cleveland Cavaliers would be a bona fide starter. Right. <laughs> day one. And, and the fact yeah. that I didn't have to explain that is, <laughs> uh, is banana land. So, right. um, you know, I, I will go that, this that, far. Right? I'll see. I'll say this. I'll say basketball of all the professional sports is probably the only one where if you had a juggernaut team, it would be feasible because football, it's not possible. The guys right. are just too big and strong. Right. Baseball, the the difference between college baseball and, and MLB is the, the gap is is enormous. But with basketball, there's a chance because the ball can go into the net. That's that's Correct. about as far as that's the, that's the only reason yeah. I don't put it at a zero percent chance. Yeah. Um. You know, we could get hot. They could be ice cold. They could just flat exactly. out not care. You know, they might not even give a shit about the game. Whereas exactly. We might be taking it seriously. Who knows? Uh. But that that was hot and shitty. It is uh, <laughs> one of those hyperboles that they throw yep. out there all the time. Uh, and this is coming off, I mean, come on, guys, it's coming off of one game. Sure, right. did we look unbelievable? Of course we did. But well, Did you that, see Kentucky that, struggle with uh, Southern Illinois tonight? <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Um, get, to, get to your second hot tissue. Right. So my second one is going to be Zion versus LeBron. I think this one stems from, so a lot of people are comparing LeBron, obviously because of the size and the athleticism. This one stems from... LeBron's in year 15. He's going to be at the end of his career soon. It, I mean, he's, he's there, but it, his career is going to end soon. And the league needs somebody to take over. It was the same thing after Jordan. They looked at Grant Hill. You looked at even Harold Miner, for God's sakes, was baby Jordan. So everybody's looking for the next replacement because you don't want, you don't want that renaissance to be gone. So... They, they want someone to replace LeBron. They need someone to replace LeBron. The, the league needs a face. So who better than Zion right now? Because that's who the world is talking about is Zion Williamson. So I see where that one comes from, but they're two totally different players. LeBron is Magic Johnson with a body and the ability to, to dunk the ball from the top of the backboard. And Zion is a really good basketball player that has, still has a lot to go in his game. He, he, I don't even think he knows who he is yet and what kind of game he's going to play yet. So he has the ability to pass, but he's not a passer like LeBron. He has the ability to lead a team, but he's not a leader like LeBron. He's, a, he's an 18-year-old kid who has a phenomenal physique and an incredible skill that is going to find himself one day and could very well be the face of the league. So... For me, that's where it ends. There's no comparison to him and LeBron other than size. That's about it. Yeah, for yeah. me, if, if, if LeBron and uh, Larry Johnson had a kid, that would be Zion. Pretty much. I, I, Pretty much. There, there isn't a guy that I that I could compare his, him to. He's, I, to I me, really more like Sean Kemp. He's a, he's a shooter Sean Kemp to me. He's a shorter Sean Kemp, but he's a better player yes. than Sean Kemp. Yes. In terms of he, he can he can handle the ball better. He's a great mm-hmm. passer. Sean Kemp was above the rim, uh, like Zion is, 
and he was taller. Uh, he's obviously a little thinner, but mm-hmm. um, I, I don't, you know, it, it's really a tough comparison for me to bring yes. up uh, someone with, with, with Zion's skill set because I've never seen anything like it. It, it, no. it. It's truly remarkable, especially for an 18-year-old kid. Mm-hmm. If he has to be 18, who knows? And I think that's why he ends up over RJ in, in the draft. I think basketball aficionados are going to look at RJ and say he's the more skilled and better player, and he is right now. But the ceiling for Zion is higher than RJ. RJ could absolutely be a Hall of Fame player one day in his life. He has that kind of skill. But Zion is one of those guys, because of his size and everything else, if he stays healthy and, and gets better with his game, he's one of those guys that can transcend the NBA beyond anything we've ever seen. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. crazy. And that brings me into my final hot tape, which was your boy, your boy, Jalen Rose, <laughs> coming up and telling me that, that Zion would not start for the Fab Five. That is so absurd. That is more absurd than the other three hot tapes that we've that we've seen. You can Easily. at least have an, you can you can at least have an argument of why there is some sort of comparison of an eighteen year old Zion and an eighteen year old LeBron. You can mm-hmm. make a comparison of uh, how the Duke squad matches up with the Cleveland Cavaliers and how there's a puncher's chance, even though it's a very small one. Um, but you can't, for the life of me, tell me that, that Zion Williamson, the number two, number three, number four player in the country coming in, wouldn't start over Ray Jackson or Jimmy King. Now, let me throw a couple of stats at you just to make sure, in case you weren't 100% sure on this, to back it up. Ray Jackson, do you know how many points Ray Jackson averaged his freshman year? I want to say it's probably somewhere around like six because that team only scored about well, 60 you, points you, a game. You, you gave him too much credit. It was 4.6 <laughs> points a game. He shot 45% from the free throw line. He averaged thir- three, point, no, three rebounds a game. Now, he did shoot over 50% from the field, so I'll give him that. But Zion shot 11 of 13 against the number two team in the country, and that's not, not an anomaly. He actually did that in Canada every game. He did that in the mm-hmm. exhibition games. He's going to shoot well over 60% this year on, mm-hmm. on more shots. Now, Jimmy King, he was the better player. He was the higher-rated player. How many points did he average his freshman year? Man. Test me with this one. Jimmy King was probably around nine. Yeah, that's actually right. 9.9 points a game. He mm-hmm. averaged three rebounds a game. He, you know, was the much better player. Zion's going to average, you know, we, we, we threw out numbers before the season started. You know, well, well it's so hard in college to have a couple guys, you know, both averaging about 20. You know, I set the over-under um, with a couple of my buddies, what was Zion going to score in his first game? I actually sent you over under uh, at 18. I thought mm-hmm. 17 and a half was a little low. I thought 18 and a half was a hair, a hair high. Mm-hmm. 18 was the number. He had 28 in about 23 minutes. Right. And, and it was an efficient 28. It was an easy, uh-huh. easy 28. 
Um, to tell me that Zion Williamson would start over Jimmy King and Ray Jackson is beyond absurd. It's the most absurd thing that I've heard in sports in a really, really long time. And his reasoning was, I watched that clip, his reasoning was because he doesn't think Zion can shoot. Nobody on that team could shoot either. Their shooter was Rob Palenka off the bench. That that was their shooter. Jalen drove. Weber drove and played inside. Jawan Howard played inside. Jimmy King shot some threes. And Ray Jackson, good luck with him shooting. It was – and Ray Jackson didn't even start to start the season. He yeah, was he was so, on the bench. So I'll, I'll, I'll give him the – yeah, give him the benefit of the doubt on not starting, by the way. What, is, what was Ray Jackson's three-point percentage? Do you know that answer? I, I really don't. It was by, probably and by 20%. The way, and, by the way, the, and by the way, the three-point line was closer. He shot right. 20% from three. I just said to him, we're going to see. There we are. Uh, that's what I figured. Yeah. He was not, that kid, the, the guy wasn't, he wasn't a good shooter, wasn't a great player. It was, again, that team averaged only 60 points a game. So, yes, it is, it is, it's, it's hot take city for Jalen Rose to sit up there and, <laughs> and say that he wouldn't start for that team. And he he has to look out for his guys. They're all tight. They're all boys. And he's gonna keep the he's gonna have the neighborhood mentality the rest of his life. That's fine. He can he can he can protect his guys all he wants. But they know. Yeah, it's, it's insane. And and you know I understand that what Jalen is doing. He's trying to play his own Stephen A. Smith there, um, so that he mm-hmm. can get uh, you know there's no. no Bad press, good press, it doesn't matter. Any press is good press. And and that's what he was trying to do, get his name out there on the airwaves. Speaking of which, we actually uh, must have hit a home run in terms of the mail bat, because we did get a decent amount of questions this week. And we do encourage everybody to send them in each week, and we'll go ahead and answer as many as we can. Um, and that uh, email address, again, is five, that's the number five, point podcast at gmail.com. Our first question actually, again, first after the uh, UK game, other than Jack White, who was the most surprising guy to you in that game against Kentucky? The most surprising guy to me, honestly, was... I would have to say the most surprising guy for me was honest was was really Javin. It was surprising to me how how poorly Javin played early. I I really expected him, especially how how Canada went and some of the opportunities he got because Queese was playing so bad early. I, I expected him to to kind of come out and and he played with energy, but it just was not focused energy. I thought he would be a little more mature with his game, and he just wasn't. That was. That was the most surprising thing to me was was Javin's Javin's poor play. Yeah, you know it's funny. I was talking to a buddy of mine, and you know we were talking about you know who should start, who's a better fit for this team, and we both agreed that Javin is the better fit on this team, just the way his game is, uh, his his build and his versatility. And, you know, it's funny, I, I liked him coming off the bench rather than starting because I thought that he'd be able to handle that role better and come in as an immediate boost of energy. But that brings me to the surprise of the, of the game other than Jack White. Um, 
and that was Marquise. I thought Marquise was fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't have to put up double-digit points or double-digit rebounds. He has to be a presence in the lane. I thought he did very well. He did have some silly fouls, but what I actually liked about Marquise in that game was he took ownership of some of those silly fouls. You know, you saw the light go on and say, yep, that one was on me. That was silly, hand up, patting the chest, one of those. Uh, really, it, it just showed me that he understands the game much better now. Mm-hmm. And so I was happy to see that. And I, I loved, obviously, the the inbound play where, you know, it's a classic Duke inbound play. We, we it do is. It every year. Everybody knows it's coming. Everybody knows it's coming, but he was able to, to execute it perfectly. Mm-hmm. The, 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 he has the option to hand off. He read the play correctly, throws it down, uh, and I was going nuts during that play. It was one of many times I went nuts during that game. But Marquise, mm-hmm. to me, uh, was absolutely uh, my surprise player uh, in a positive light. Uh, the second question that we got was, other than Reed and your boy Kellen Johnson, <laughs> who who would get more than 10 minutes a game on this current Duke roster? This is a tougher question, so I'm going to let you mm-hmm. kind of, you know, you know, who, other than those two guys, do you actually see that could, could be that guy that could, you know, match with the, the players that we currently have? Well, I think, I, I think, I think this, this almost is a little bit of a hot take type of question for me because Kentucky looked horrible. Their guys look bad. And, and I would love to be able to sit here and just stomp my foot on their chest, kind of like Christian Leitner and Amino Timberlake. I'd like to do that to him right now and stomp him down a little bit more. But Duke beat them down enough, and they're going to have a good team, and they will get it together by the end of the season. Calipari always gets those types of guys to come together. They don't. We talked about it in the last podcast. They don't have an identity. Tyler Harrow would play on this team with his his shooting ability and scoring uh, scoring ability and size. He would play 10 minutes a game at least on this team. Alex O'Connell didn't get much time. Harrow's a better player than O'Connell. Sorry, he just is. O'Connell was a very efficient player, but Harrow's asked to do a little bit more than O'Connell is. If Alex was asked to do the same that he was asked to do, his numbers would be a little bit lower, too. I think Tyler Harrow's a good player. I think Quade Green would fit on this team as a point guard. Trey's obviously the man, and I wouldn't trade Trey for anybody in the country. We we recruited Quade Green for this particular season, for this particular moment, to be this team's point guard. He's he's a heady point guard. He, I, I, last week we talked about it a little bit. He reminds me of Quinn Cook a little bit. He not the shooter that Quinn is, but he he can lead a team. And and Calipari just doesn't do well with point guards of his ilk, which is a guy who's not six five and can kind of take over a game with his athleticism. The guy has to think a little bit. Calipari doesn't do well with those guys. He doesn't fit Kentucky very well. I think he would fit Duke very well. I think Emmanuel Quickly would be a great player on this team. He's a great shooter, 6'5", point guard. The guy's talented. P.J. Washington would get some time because we don't have any post players. Like, they, they have guys, Nick Richards, they have guys that would play on our team. But they, they have mm-hmm. talent, and to just dismiss them would be remiss because by the end of the season, they're going to be there, and they're going to be tough. Yeah, and yeah. you even bring up E.J. Montgomery, who we yeah. recruited very, recruited very heavily. Too. Absolutely, we wanted him to be the starter. We, we 
we recruited him to be the starter and Kwesi was going to come off the bench. That's exactly how that was going to play out. And for, for for many of us Duke fans, you know, during the offseason, we were a little bit squeamish about do we really want Montgomery to come in and be that mm-hmm. big starter when we have a junior Queese, uh who, you know, of course, you know, did he play to expectations his first two years? Probably not, and a lot of that had to do with injuries. Uh, but we didn't have the depth behind them either. So that would have been interesting. Uh, but I agree with your, your analysis there, especially with uh, Hero. I think he would absolutely play a lot of minutes on this team. He, he For the game that we played against him, and that was his first game as well. So, you know, give them a little... Uh, breathing room to, to to learn their identity and learn what they're mm-hmm. going to be doing on on their side. And, and they also they ran into a bus. So, uh, you know, Radish I thought did a great job on him. Uh, Barrett mm-hmm. when he was switched on did a great job on him. I thought Trey did a great job on all of their point guards, mm-hmm. uh, taking them out of the game and really forcing them to go to their plan B, plan C. Uh, each time down the court. So I thought that they did very well. But there, there's no question that those guys would get time at Duke. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the recruitment of, of Green, I remember vividly. Uh, I really wanted him. I didn't think that Trey Jones would never not come here. So I thought the two of them could play together. Mm-hmm. And having both of those guys together for a couple of years would have um, run us and would have kept us in a great position both last year and this year. So that would have been great. And, um, yeah, so those would have both, both been guys that I think would have gotten decent minutes, and it probably would have pushed uh, Alex O'Connell down the bench. But, you know, those are uh, hypotheticals, and uh, I'm glad that we do have the players that we that we have on this team. Mm-hmm. And speaking of those, speaking of those guys, uh, Javelin played about 12 minutes, um, on Tuesday night, and Alex played about 11. Where do you see, this is another question that we got in the mailbag, where do you see uh, their minutes per game averages throughout the season? That's probably about right for for both of them. Might even see Alex tick up to may, maybe, the, maybe the 12 or 13 range, uh, just a, a minute or two more. RJ, the more RJ, Zion, and Cam are on the floor, and Trey, the better for everyone. So that leaves one spot, and that's Quisa's spot. And if he doesn't give it up, then Javin's not going to take it because Jack is ahead of him right now. Justin Robinson's obviously not going to take it. So that, so that, I mean, Javin's the next guy up. So 12 minutes. Jack played 31 minutes, I think, in that game, and I think that's even high for what he's going to see for the rest of the yeah. season, especially if guys stay out of foul trouble like Zion and, and Quise, and if they're playing well. So Jack's minutes are going to decrease, which means Javin's minutes are going to decrease. And then Alex, is he's just stuck behind two of the best guards Duke has probably seen in the past 15 years. So... It's you know just un un unfortunate timing for him for, in terms of minutes. So I, I I think he's that's ten is probably outright because he's gonna spell Trey at times, he's gonna spell Cam at times, and he's gonna spell RJ at times. Those are the guys he's gonna spell when they need a breather, and then they're gonna come right back in the game. So the opportunity is there for him to get wing minutes because he's the only other wing player at the moment. 
but that's 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 probably about right. And and it's it. I said it's going to go up to twelve or thirteen. And now I talked myself out of it. It might actually go down to ten or nine because in more competitive games, especially as the ACC season rolls on, those guys are going to get more time on the floor. And those guys, I mean, Trey, Cam, and RJ. Yeah, you know, if Jack continues to play the way he does, uh, it's going to be impossible to to rip him off the floor. Mm-hmm. He did absolutely everything. I can't say enough about what Jack mm-hmm. did, and, and I, I understand it was game one, uh, but, you know, we were a little bit unsure coming out of Canada. Um, could he, when the bright lights came on, be a guy that we could count on? Well, he answered every single one of those questions and more. To be fair to Alex, the minutes that he did get, he executed on the specialty that he is being brought in for. He hit the threes that he was supposed to hit. He did, did play a little that. bit up. And he was a little bit uh, out of control at times uh, when he was into the paint, and, and those will be probably issues where you'll see Tay have a short leash on him. If he just stays out on the perimeter uh, offensively, probably just in those corners, all those lanes, when they drive, be prepared, be ready. He's a great stand, still mm-hmm. a shooter. He doesn't hesitate. He lets it fly. And every time he shoots, mm-hmm. you feel like he's going in. And I don't know if it was you or, or someone else that I saw compare him a little bit uh, in a way to uh, that 2011 team with Dre Dawkins. You know, just be that guy. You know, just be that guy that, right. that you know, can hit constant uh, threes. You know, throughout throughout the yeah. year, I think for him that eleven to thirteen minute range is about accurate. I do think the Jabber's minutes uh, are going to fluctuate from game to game, uh, and it'll be based on how he plays and based on how Cleese uh, plays. You know, Cleese is going to have games mm-hmm. where you know he's not going to play as well as he did the other night. Um, and so for that reason, you're going to see Jalen step up and get some more minutes. Uh, and then on the other side, you know, there are going to be games where we're like, hey, that's the place that we recruited. That's the five-star player, uh, and his minutes are going, to be, are, are going to be decreased. And, you know, for me, it is uh, the, the X factor of all of it is, can Jalen stay out of foul trouble? You know, the, the three fouls that he had, uh, in something like what was it, four minutes or whatever it was? Yeah, four minutes. Those 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 can't happen. You're a junior captain. Those cannot happen. And absolutely, you know, two of them, two of them were terrible. One I can understand, but two of them were terrible. And and you got to be smarter than that. We don't have a very deep front line. You have to be smarter than that. Um, he was the only real, you know. Again, nitpicking uh, negative that we had in that game. Um, but luckily for us, against uh, Kentucky, it didn't matter. But under our final mailbag question on that, we if we had been matched up with Kansas, how did you see that game going? If both teams played the way that they both played, we still would have won. It would have been a closer game. It wouldn't have been this... Holy cow! Here's Duke because that was that was just so eye opening that it's Kentucky. It's everybody knows Kentucky. It's Kentucky basketball. They the end all be all. They they can't do anything wrong. 
it's it's sort of like the I, I'm going to equate them this year to very similar to what I feel like is going to happen with the Green Bay Packers. I think the Packers are the story team that this year they're just struggling and people can't they can't take it. And I think this Kentucky team is going to struggle a little bit early and people aren't going to be able to take it. So it was it was so eye opening and eye popping that it was like wow okay, this team is they call them the monsters like from Space Jam so if we played Kansas it would have been a better test for how this team played basketball wise Kentucky was a good test athletically Kansas would have been a good basketball test we would have won I think we would have passed that test but Quentin Grimes looked amazing uh, DJ Lawson looked amazing they they have some Kansas has some horses on that team and. I, people said they're probably thinking Kentucky Duke in the Final Four meeting each other. I think Kentucky and Can or Duke and Kansas are going to get a rematch from last year, I believe, and this year in the Final Four. Yeah, I'd, I'd love another shot at them. I think that you know a lot of the predictions, and I'm guilty of this as well. When we talked about Kentucky, was you know a lot of people giving the edge to Kentucky, Vegas included, uh, them being a key point favorite mostly because of quote-unquote experience. Well, Kansas mm-hmm. actually has that experience, mm-hmm. and it is proven experience. Uh, you know, I watched a lot of that game, and I thought to myself, those are men out there. Those are men yeah. competing out there. I don't think that they would have been flustered by the start that Duke got. Uh, I still think the way Duke played, there was no question that they'd win that game, but I agree. It would have been a close contest. And it's going to be interesting to see what they do with Siva. Um, do they bring him back, uh, or are they just going to say, mm-hmm. you know what, it's not worth it? Mm-hmm. Uh, we got a we have a great team here. We're not going to risk it. We're just going to let it fly. Yeah, they're going to have to make that decision sooner than later because last year they brought him in kind of late, hoping that he would create some kind of spark. And he he was kind of just pedestrian. He did some nice things at times, but. Azubuke's emergence at the end of the season was what really helped them out, but his free throw shooting is going to hurt them, and they're going to need somebody in the post at the end of the games who can at least serviceably hit a free throw, so that might be enough to make them want to bring him back. I mean, Lawson can't do it all by himself. He's a great player, but he can't do it by himself. Yep, and so that concludes the mailbag this week. Again, please get all your questions in. We, we want to have them uh, that that email address again is five. That's the number five. Point play podcast at gmail dot com. Five. That's the number five. Point play podcast at gmail dot com. Our fourth topic of five point play podcast this week, and I'm extremely jealous because you're actually going <laughs> to be there. You know, I'm, yes, I'm sitting up here with I'm sitting up here with a ruptured Achilles. Man. And you're going to Maui, and you're going to Maui. So I'm going to let you have this statement all to yourself. Give us a preview. Right. Give, me, give me the AC preview of Maui. Wrap it all up in a bow for us, and give me your prediction for it. So uh, do you want to hear the preview of what I'm going to do in Maui, or do you want to hear the preview of the actual sports look, that are happening look, man, in if Maui? You, if, you want, if you want to rub salt <laughs> into the wound, uh, you go right ahead. Uh, you know, And maybe maybe you know, maybe have some shit. Ass, uh, you know, uh, podcast listeners that would love to hear that, but get to the hoops, man. <laughs> all right, all right. I, I, I would definitely be remiss to not mention that my beautiful wife got me a. We're going to a luau for my birthday because that's going to happen also over that trip. So I'm very appreciative Wonderful. of that. 
<laughs> there you go. That's all I'll give you. All right. So, so in terms of basketball, so the the one known game that we have is San Diego State. We played them in the NCAA tournament in 15, I believe. That was a game that a lot of people saw as maybe an upset special because they had a pretty tall, pretty talented and rangy team. Uh, we ended up dispatching them without much much issue there that game. They they lost a couple of guys last year, Malik Pope and Trey Kell. Uh, they were they were an NCAA tournament team last year on the basis of winning their conference tournament, the Mountain West Conference tournament. They're a team that spreads the ball pretty evenly. They're their highest scoring player last year had 12.8 points. So they, that's what they lose. They lose 12.8 points from that guy. That's the other guy, uh, Trey Kell. They lost 10.5. They can replace that. Brian Dutcher is their coach. Uh, people know him from being funny that Duke's always being compared to the Fab Five because he is one of the assistants um, for Steve Fisher with that Michigan team. So he took over from Steve Fisher in San Diego State. He's a decent coach, but yeah, he's he's kind of stuck in, in that 90s game. I don't think his team translates to the game of basketball now. His coaching style doesn't translate, in my opinion. So I think we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and beat San Diego State to start this thing off. I won't do every single game in terms of the other teams, but I'll just kind of touch on teams that we have the possibility to play. Auburn and Xavier. I I, I see us playing Xavier, so I'll kind of talk more about them. Auburn's actually Auburn's a tough team, and they're gonna be a tough team in the SEC this year. I wouldn't I actually wouldn't be surprised to see them beat Xavier. Xavier returns some guys. They have a new coach. Uh, totally, totally new coach. I believe his name, I have it written down over here, is uh, Travis Steele. I don't know much about him as a coach, so I don't want to touch on it. But I do know that they return they return Najee Marshall. They return Quentin Gooden. And they got from San Diego State Ryan Wellich. So they, they have some guys who can score. Uh, they actually got a transfer from Ferris State as well. Um, we played Ferris State in the exhibition. Uh, big kid off the bench, Zach Hankins. But again, it look kind of looking at their roster and looking at things. It actually could be Auburn. Auburn. Auburn's a tough team. Bruce Pearl led team, NCAA tournament team. They were kind of a, a, a favorite to move on a little bit in the tournament last year. So. It actually could. I had I had us playing Xavier at first, but now I've talked myself out of it. I think we're going to play in Auburn. I, I think we'll win that game. They have some horses on their team. But I, I think we beat Auburn. I want to keep moving. Um, between Arizona and Iowa State, I think Iowa State's going to take that one. Arizona's got complete turnover. They have some talented guys on their roster, but their roster is completely turned over. And Iowa State brings back Lindell Wigington and – uh, Tyrese Halliburton and Prentice Nixon, those guys are they they go and they get up and down the court. So they would they're matched up in the bracket potentially against Gonzaga. Gonzaga should beat Iowa State, but I wouldn't be surprised. The world's thinking Gonzaga Duke right now, and Duke's not going to lose to Auburn. They're not going to lose to San Diego State. I see an upset special there a little bit with Iowa State potentially beating Gonzaga. But I do want to mention Gonzaga and talk about Gonzaga because they are a very talented team. They got Rui Hachimura back. Uh, Mark Few loves having that guy because that guy is 
sort of it's I don't it's not a comparison so please don't hold me to this what I'm about to say but in terms of just how he affects the game he's very much like um Giannis Antetokounmpo and the fact that he does a lot of things for that team he rebounds hot he passes hot take city I <laughs> take city he passes the ball he dunks he has a decent jumper he he rebounds he gets steals. He, he's just he he does everything for that team. So the other problem with that is if he's off, then they're off. Josh Perkins is a great leader for them at the point guard position. We recruited Josh um, a little bit when he was when he was a recruit a recruit, but that that recruitment kind of went away. We we who did we get instead of Josh Perkins that year? That was. Ooh, what, what, what year? was that? The ti- that wasn't the Tyus year, was it? I want to. Well, he's a senior. He's a redshirt no, senior this season. Yeah, I think no, that was yeah, the Tyus. Yeah, yeah, that was the Tyus season. Yeah, we got Tyus. Yep. So, so yeah, so we got Tyus uh, that season. So we we stopped recruiting Josh. He's a good player, very talented player, very very heady and good leader. Um, has a good decent jump shot. Jack Norvell is a good athlete. Um. Good athlete out of Chicago. They got Jeremy Jones from Rice. He's a he's a lengthy defensive juggernaut. Brandon Clark is he he's a good rebounder. He's slight, got a slight build, but he's a really good rebounder. He's got a good length. Um, he's a transfer out of San Jose State. Joel Ayayi is uh, a redshirt freshman for them, but he's going to see some decent time. They they Mark Few always gets these the guys from overseas, and and they're always good players for him. He's gonna fit a good need as as a slasher with a little bit of a jump shot for them, and they have um, Killian Tilly, who is the new Josh Collins for them, blocking shots, getting rebounds, hitting threes. So they're they're uh, a, a hell of a matchup. That Iowa State Gonzaga game is gonna be a really fun game to watch. Uh, I don't know if I'll be able to see that one live or not, but that one is going to be that, one, that one's gonna be a game, and and. The, the winner of that game is definitely going to give Duke all they all they want to ask for, but ultimately I think Duke's going to they're going to win it. They're not going to beat whoever they play like they beat Kentucky because you're playing in that tournament atmosphere. So it's game after game after game. But it's it's going to be a fun it's going to be a fun event. This is going to be probably one of the best Maui events we've seen in a very long time. Um, and and I think I think Duke's going to take home the the title one more time. Yeah, well, we've never lost there in Maui, uh, as as all Duke fans know. Two quick questions: Can the rims and the backboards in that tiny gym withstand Zion Williamson for three days? Uh, they they took that that Dante Jones over who was I think it was like Illinois State or somebody who did they play oh no not Illinois State who was it I, I don't remember who it was Dante Jones had a nice a nice dunk that was taken away by a charge call when when they played Maui and Gerald Henderson had a nasty slam against Illinois um but they, those two are nothing compared to Zion so I, I guess we'll see I mean, maybe I'll get a piece of the rim when it breaks yeah, uh, I just pray for uh, for you to have a safe flight over there, so I don't have to <laughs> podcast by myself. And I pray yep. also for the backboards and rims uh, at the Lahaina Civic Center because <laughs> <laughs> they're in for a world of pain uh, oh, <laughs> coming yeah. up in a couple of weeks. 
Uh, speaking yeah. of our predictions, and, and I agree with you, uh, I'll just get that out of the way. I predict that uh, the Duke's going to go undefeated in the Mallory Invitational and take on the crowd. The crown, and I do think that they're going to do it over Gonzaga, which should be a lot of fun over Thanksgiving uh, Day weekend. So uh, looking forward to that. You know, we do have a couple games before that, though. Uh, this Sunday we play, and this is going to be our, our final final uh, topic, as we as we said last week, is going to be our predictions. So this is our final final topic. We got Army on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only thing I know about Army is his veterans' day. So salute to all veterans. Appreciate your service. Absolutely. Uh, and they have uh, a guy named Matt Wilson who I believe shot a perfect game uh, and had 24 points in their first game. So welcome to Cameron. Uh, mm-hmm. Prediction-wise, it's, it's tough for me to predict a game like this. It's the second game of the year for both teams. I think Duke's going to win this game, and I'm just going to throw out 113 to 59. All right. Second game of the season coming off of just the the huge high of that Kentucky game. I think we see a little bit of a letdown. Not only a letdown in just how they're going to play, but also Kay went to – he's obviously a graduate of West Point. He loves he loves Army. He loves having them uh, come around. Everything else, I, he's not gonna not to say he would disrespect them by letting us score a hundred points. He's the pace is gonna be much slower than it was against Kentucky in this game, in my opinion. So I think we're gonna see a ninety five sixty game. Yeah, uh, those votes are pretty heavy, and uh, I thought I was being conservative with with my one thirteen or fifty nine. <laughs> but uh, moving on, we had. Uh, on the 14th, we have Eastern Michigan. Uh, again, that should be uh, Eastern Michigan. Eastern Michigan is actually coming in. They're 2-0. Uh, they have a guy, I think it was Cole Jackson, who has uh, averaging 27 a game. Mm-hmm. I'm not even going to pr- try to pronounce the, the guy, Torre, uh, who's averaging 15 rebounds, 6 11 junior. So they do mm-hmm. have a couple of players on their, on their squad. This is a midweek game. I'd expect the crazies to be uh, in tip-top shape for that game. I got Duke in a big way. In this one, I'm going to go with another score of... God, I haven't done this many 100-point games. I'm getting a little sheepish. I'm going to go 107, 107 to 68. 107-68, I have 110-63. I don't think Eastern Michigan gets the same respect that Army will get. I, I think, like you said, it's a midweek game and the last game the, the crazies get before they go home for uh, for Thanksgiving break. So they're definitely going to be they're going to be live. So it's going to be a tough environment. So they're they're going to give it their all. It's it's going to be a fun game. I think they're going to. Like I said, I think the Army game is going to be a little sloppy, so I think they're going to come back more focused against Eastern Michigan, one ten sixty three. Yeah, it wouldn't be the worst thing. It wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for Duke and Coach Pay to uh, have a little sloppiness out of the gate after that Kentucky uh, mm-hmm. win in a dominating fashion, just to try to bring them back down to earth and, and get them to refocus. Uh, either way, I can't say enough about. Uh, it, it, with that Kentucky game, it was just unbelievable. I I, I lost. I haven't lost for words. It was funny. You know, I stayed up until about one forty-five that night, watching all the highlights, watching mm-hmm. uh, Scott Van Pelt 
you know, and it's funny, he, he interviewed Jay Billis. Uh, everybody's, you know, always satisfied for Jay Billis. But he was on a loss for words, and he even said it. He goes, I, 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 at about eight-minute mark, he, he had a – there was nothing else he could say to be complimentary of Duke and the way they were playing. And that's just kind of – if Jay Billis is on a loss for words, you know he would have done something special. Absolutely. Uh, and, that's, that, that's, and that's how I'll leave it. I'm going to stop talking. I'll let you have the final word. Go Duke. Go Duke. I want to say that it was, again, an amazing week for Duke. About to be more amazing. I believe we're about to – it's it's 10 o'clock right now as we're recording this on a Friday night. I believe we're about to say uh, welcome to Boogie Ellis. I'll let you get a welcome in if you want. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> welcome to Duke. We, we've been expecting this uh, ever since he's official. So, uh, speaking of official, an official uh, welcome to do for uh, for our main man, Boogie. Yep, but yeah, it was amazing to watch watch the game this week. This team is going to be amazing. A lot of people are saying there. Hopefully, Duke is going to save college basketball. I I don't disagree with that sentiment. People love the freshmen. They they like senior laden teams, and it's fun. You know, there's, there's it's kind of split. The country split. Half of them like senior laden teams. Some people love the turnover of the freshmen. This team kind of has a little bit of both in terms of we have some juniors, we have the freshmen. It, the, no one has seen a freshman team this dominant yet. It, it's a lot of the freshman teams play well. They end up struggling later on against some senior teams, that type of thing. But this this is a extremely dominant young team and it's going to be fun to watch and maybe they are the team that saves college basketball who knows hey you know uh, on an election night where the country is split duke is there to save the day and i'm going <laughs> to be happier about it absolutely all right man we'll go all duke right, let's do it. yep go duke thank you for tuning in this has been the five point play podcast